Welcome all you people down there in the intraweb. This is Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're here today with Bob Gannon. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Yeah, we're going to hear from Bob, and he's going to talk to us about evangelization in the modern world. Can't do it the same way we did it before, can we? No. What do we do? Uh, evangelization. Oh, no. No, 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 we can't. You know, the world has changed. Uh, I'm 80 years old, and... Most all of us grew up going to church, and we knew something about Jesus, and we had a foundation. But today we have so many broken homes and people that have been sexually and physically abused, people that are angry at God, veterans that come off the battlefield. You know, they don't want to hear about Jesus. How do we evangelize them kind of people? And that's what I've been doing for the last 35 years of my life. So listen, tune in, listen to the whole program. See you soon. Well, thank you, Matt, and I am your host today. I'm Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Evangelization. Saint, well, it's the St. Joseph Evangelization Network, and this program is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're here live in St. Louis with Bob Gannon. Bob, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. Good to have you here. And the, today's program is going to be How to Evangelize in the Modern World. Good title. Tough thing to do. Right. What, what's different today than it was before? <clears throat> well, you know, I'm 80 years old, and when I grew up, and I think most people, we grew up in church. We grew up with a family, and uh, so we we developed the foundation of righteousness and the Ten Commandments are part of our lives. But today, uh, what I find so many people have grown up, they don't know God, they're angry at God, they grew up a lot of a sexually abusive homes where people have sexually abused, beaten, and veterans coming off the battlefield like myself. Uh, it's just really hard to believe that God cares about anybody here on earth. And, and that's what I want to talk about today is how do we evangelize people that are angry at God it's, and don't want to hear about him? It's tough. It's tough, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to do it. It's just we have to do it differently. Bob, you know, in this program, we always have a tradition of starting with a prayer. Would you uh -huh. mind leading us in a prayer? No, I don't. I don't. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for this radio station to bring the gospel out in the airways to a, to a country that's so broken that need it. I ask the Lord to be with us here today. We have an impact on those that listen, that we bring hope to the hopelessness and, and bring a light to those that, that are so down and, and they can't see their way out of that hole. We ask you, Lord, to, to be with them, to be with me today, that I can bring them that hope. And we praise your name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I, I remember this story of, and I think it's a fictitious story, but it's a, a, a guy goes to the bus stop, and he's standing next to a guy who has uh, uh, only one leg. And uh, he goes up to him and says, hey, what happened to you? And the guy says, Nothing. You know, he doesn't say anything to him. And the alternate way of 
telling that story is a guy goes to the bus stop and he uh, sees a man with a, only one leg. And he says, uh, hey, you, you take this route more often? He says, yeah, I take it every day. He says, yeah, me too. We're probably going to see a lot of each other. So over the next couple of months, rain and snow and sleet and whatever, they're, they're under this little enclosure waiting for the same bus. And they say good morning. They figure out the one guy's name is Sam. The other guy's name is John. And they know each other. And after six months, he says, Sam, how did you lose your leg? And then, you know, he, he kind of tells them the story. I think that's something like evangelization. You, 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 our spiritual life, our life with our Lord, can be very personal and um, very needed, but very private, too. So we need to find that balance to evangelize, but do it once we know people. We, we, we get to know them and, and understand them and know where they're coming from and what their experiences have been in their life. I mean, you touched on some of that. Yeah. Um, you always tell people, you know, they a lot of people say, well, you need just to preach the gospel. And uh, I always say, when well, you're telling somebody about Jesus, you know, a lot of people are angry at God. And one example, you know, you could be telling somebody about how God loves them, and they'll say, hey, I, I prayed when I was being raped or I was being beaten or when I was hungry or I was thrown out and he never showed up. Now what are you going to say? How are you going to evangelize that person? Yeah, and, and sometimes you have to let God do it too, but you'd be, you're a witness. I was on vacation in Mexico a couple of months ago and uh, waiting for my wife to finish some exercise class in the pool. And... Uh, I uh, I don't have didn't have my contacts on. I can't see very well, and uh, I had a cardinal's hat on. So somebody this young girl. I thought it was a young girl. Says to me, "Oh, you're from St. Louis." On and on. And her and her mom wind up walking away, and her dad stayed. And he says, "You're a religious guy." I'm like, "How does he know I'm a religious guy? I don't know." And he starts talking to me about why he's an atheist and giving me arguments, and we're having this intellectual conversation. But you know what? In the end, he says, my son was murdered at 20 years old. You can't tell me there's a God. And, and what I realized is that this was not an intellectual pursuit, but this is somebody who's searching. And his heart is wounded, and he doesn't know how to heal. He just doesn't know how to heal. Well, it is, you know, being a Vietnam veteran, um, but when I came back from Vietnam, I grew up in a small town, you know, 99 people was isolated. And I go from there to the battlefield um, and, and, and you see the, the horror, you know, of women and children and um, your own men, your friends. Uh, I know I was injured my second tour and I came back. I was a platoon sergeant and uh, I was in the hospital in Memphis, Tennessee when I found out Two days after they medevaced me off the battlefield, they got ambushed, and most of them was killed. And I think that day, I, 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 the anger I felt, I don't know if I've ever felt anger that deep. But I walked around all day sworn that I'd never bow or kneel to a God, and I didn't use, I used some terrible words, and I was serious. And for the next 30 years, I lived a life of alcoholism, anger, multiple affairs until I finally crashed. And many people tried to witness to me. But you always had a Bible in their hand 
and he's always trying to preach Jesus to me. And I didn't care about Jesus. I didn't want to know about him. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. I grew up with a learning disability. You know, I, I didn't think God had any cared about me, or I didn't think God really cared about anybody. You're here to battle it out, and you better be tough. And that's how I grew up. And and that's a lot of the world that we have today is the same type of individual. Uh, many not been to war, but they've been to war, living in drug homes, never been to church. Uh, the amount of people that I run into today in the ministries I do that have been sexually abused, boys, women, it's unbelievable. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Grew up in these drug homes where kids shared drugs with their families. You know, they're all, the whole family's a drug addict. And they don't know anything. They don't have the work ethic. They don't have nothing. But they're, but they're searching, they're hurting. And I always tell people, unless they see Jesus in you, you don't have a chance to evangelize them. You have to lead your life and and as the best Christian you can. You need to pray every day, and you need to be kind. Yeah. Tell me about some of these ministries. You've been doing it for 30, 35 years? Yeah. I uh, started here in St. Louis, not on the inner cities, oh. working with children. I kind of started by accident. I've always, since I grew up in a dysfunctional home, I remember as a child, I used to think, but when I get older, if I make any money, I'm going to have a home just for kids like me, you know. And uh, then I transferred to Springfield, Missouri, my job, and guy talked me into going doing a jail ministry with him. And from there, I went to a prison ministry and in a program called Celebrate Recovery, and uh, it became an example for the whole Celebrate Recovery. Out of 600 men in that prison, we had over 200 of them in our Celebrate Recovery program every wow. week. And, and I've been a chemical dependency leader for 18 years. Uh, I still the day uh, attend Celebrate Recovery every Thursday night. As a, And probably the 14th, I'll be going Tuesday night and Thursday night to another church that's helped me start a Celebrate Recovery program. So I'll be working with them for the next year. And, uh, you know... I was angry at God for most of my life until I really realized that coming from a dysfunctional home, abuse, learning disability, to war, was really a gift. Hmm. A gift? A gift. A gift that I know. I, I, I know what it feels like to have no hope. I know what it feels like to be unwanted. I know what it feels like to be unloved. You know, And I, I know what it feels like to come off the battlefield and, and, and see things. I know what it's like to have a serious case of post-traumatic stress. You can't sleep at night. You're angry, you know. You, you're searching for all this relief, and what do you do? You, you know, until you find Jesus, you know, you use alcohol, sex, pornography, whatever, you know, anything to, to find some kind of relief, you know. So when did you when did you make the switch? I mean, we're, we talked a little bit about your ministries, which I want to hear more about. But you, you you there was a switch. There was a transition. I mean, was it a slow thing? That was it. Somebody who came into your life. Was it what what made you what made you what prompted you to open your heart? It was a slow thing. Um, I always tell people 
I spent most of my life taking the gospel to everybody but me. Uh, and and that was and that's the truth. I I saw how the gospel worked, but I still didn't have Jesus. When I retired, I was a workaholic, and uh, my my life collapsed. It totally collapsed. Uh, I was crying every day. The war was raging in my head, and I had isolated myself from my family, my children. I hadn't seen my children in a, in a year or two. I had a farm. I just hide out back on my farm. And I was getting closer to suicide every, every day. And uh, I make this really short. Um, I, I, I prayed for a novena to St. Therese. And a little girl would show up, you know, in my nightmares um, and just stand there and look at me. And, and this incident was caused by a mistake I made in Vietnam called artillery in. And artillery was short and hit a village and killed a lot of people. And I always thought she was from the village. So I was at this very desperate point in my life, knowing I couldn't hang on. Picked up a pamphlet of St. Therese, and I started praying on Navina. Um, this little girl in my dreams was about seven years old. Um, I was at a horse camp in uh, Arkansas, and some people came, and they had this little girl. She was the same size. Everything about her was the same. She was a special needs child. And when I held her, uh, the whole outline of her body started getting warm and prickly, and I knew a miracle was happening at this time. Uh, what's amazing, I was seeing her in my dreams over 40 years before she was born. Wow. Over 40 years. And, uh, you know, and, and that was the last day of my nightmares. That was the last day of my flashbacks. And what was interesting was it was on May 29, 2015. That was me and my wife's anniversary. Oh, wow. And we had been married. For, we started our 29th year. Holy smokes. And uh, Yeah. So God was walking with you that entire time and just found the right moment to bring right. closure to this. In your good, in his good time, in the time that you needed. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I always tell people: the more you suffer, the softer your heart. You know, and and I say think that again, please. The harder, the more suffering you have, and the more pain you go through. Yeah. It softens your heart. It softens, softens your, your soul. You have oh, more right. understanding. Yeah. For people, and you have more compassion for people. Yeah. You know. Maybe that's why you have this calling and talent to help people in prisons, this prison ministry, and because they, they certainly have gone through a lot. So you, you're, you're going through a, a you're, you're sharing your heart with them in a soft fashion. Oh, yeah. I was, when I started to preach me out at Portland, I went out and gave a testimony about my life, you know, and about my alcoholism and all the things I was hung up on, you know. And, and when I was done, one of the guys jumped up and he said, He's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you said, well, uh, you're one of us, too. Yeah, you know, we're, all, we're all together. We, our, 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 our downfalls always seem to be so trivial compared to somebody else. But there you can see that we're all in the same boat. Right. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of, your, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're with Bob Gannon. And Bob Gannon actually has written a book. It's called... Never give up. Uh, and 
uh, it's uh, if you. I hope I hope this is okay. I'm going to give him your email address. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His email address is nevergiveup.pub.co at gmail.com. I'll say that again. So nevergiveup.pub.co at gmail.com. And if you want a copy of this book, you can call us here at the studio, 636-447-6000. We'll be happy to, uh, happy to hook you up and get one of his books. Bob, tell me a little bit about this book. Is this is this your life? Is this your testimony? This is my life. This is my life. Yeah. Growing up in a dysfunctional home, an abusive alcoholic father, growing up angry at God, growing up with no hope, spent my whole life in a special ed- education room. Um, went to join the Navy. The Navy guy was out to lunch, wound up in the Marine Corps, became a recon Marine with 35 mission behind enemy lines, and... Uh, once I became a recon marine, I, I I I didn't ever think about being a recon marine. I really didn't want to be a recon marine, but in the book it tells you how I got there involuntary, and that's what changed my life. You know, once you get through that training, it is tough. Only one percent are selected, and only half of them make it, and that started to change my life. At uh, 24 years old, I became a platoon sergeant of a recon platoon in Vietnam. Uh, had over 35 missions behind enemy lines. Uh, there's a lot of stories in there. It's a very Christian book. There's nothing gory. I wrote it so you could read about your childhood. Um, I got hurt in my second tour. I decided to go to college. I flunked all the entrance tests. I tested with a sixth grade education. And uh, I took electronics. Everybody told me I was too dumb to take electronics. But I made it, you know, it's, it's quite a story in there about how I survived that. Got a job on a pipeline, had a successful career, uh, and then about my post-traumatic stress. And and uh, right now, working on another book right now, it's more of this, how to turn it around. Yeah. How, how you turn your life around from, you know, uh, being angry at God and growing up in this, you know, in really bad situations or you're coming at it from a real life experience and not an easy one either so the name of our program is how to evangelize in the modern world why don't you step us through it what what are we going to do here because we're all called to do it right we're all baptized we we need to to evangelize how do we do it i'd like to read something to you i i've got um i think the most thing is be meek and I think a lot of people don't understand what, what meek is, you know. The Bible tells us the meek will inherit the world, and it makes us one as possible. I don't think most people understand meekness. It's essentially an attitude, a quality of your heart. And thereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will of, of God's desire. For the most part, meek people are quiet and gentle, and you always try to get along with others. But in reality, meek people are tough. They're dedicated to helping others. It's the meek who are the hero on the battlefields and in life. They are the ones willing to give their life to save others. The meek people don't follow the crowd. They have the courage to do the right thing, even if it's unpopular. It's easier for the meek to accept the teachings of Jesus Christ, and their hearts are more like his.
meek people have a tendency to attract people because of their gentle, honest, and kind nature. They're the ones who are the volunteers. What does this all mean? Meek people are people of action. They are leaders. They get things done. And I think, and meek people have a compassion for others. You know, I, I have a story here of a lady, her name was Rachel. Rachel was sexually abused from the age three to 13 by two uncles. She lived in a household that the two women knew what was going on. And, you know, they, they um, when she had tried to tell them, they'd call her names, you know, one with a W. So when I met Rachel, she was really, really messed up. She'd been in and out of jails and prisons. She thought nobody could ever love her again. And uh, she didn't want to know about Jesus. But she saw something in me that she liked and was attracted to. I never preached the gospel to her. I never gave her any. But I always told her about my life, you know, about my life, you know, going to church, about my own struggles. That I struggle every day, you know, with my post-traumatic stress and to be that, that person that God wanted me to be, you know. And she saw how I prayed my roses. She saw how I went to adoration. But the main thing she seen was a kindness in my eyes and and never putting her down. Um, uh, Rachel had a serious learning disability. She didn't have a GED. Uh, I never talked to her into taking a GED. I talked about my own education and the struggle I had, you know, going to school because I had dyslexia. She went on and got her GED. She went on to college, got her degree in counseling. She started on women's ministry. She now uh, serves women that have cut themselves and and uh, been sexually abused, and and she works in uh, the boys' home and is a devout Christian. You know, I see her stuff on Facebook all the time, preaching the gospel. Um, but I, I, that's what it takes to evangelize somebody is they have to see something in you that that they like. I mean, people people that are on drugs and alcohol come to these homes, they'll they'll figure you out pretty quick, you know, if you're really true or not or honest. And and I think a lot of people want to say some magic words and, and that don't work. The hurt's deep. It's deep. The the mistrust of God and people is deep and, and it takes time and years. And I think our churches and our priests and our preachers and our, you know, people understand that. Uh, I talk to people all the time and I ask them why you don't evangelize more. They say, we don't know how. How do you evangelize, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a veteran. Uh, and you got to watch what you say. I, I always tell people, don't give advice. These people are deeply hurt and you say something that will drive them off, you know. As a combat veteran, you know, people are, we don't we don't talk because a lot of people want to give you advice that they'll say, well, you know these are harmless statements, but but they're devastating to a veteran. Well, you know, wasn't your fault. It was war. You know, well, you were sent there. Are you, you know, did you kill anybody? Or you need to get over it? Or you need to pray more? Or whatever. And, and these sound like harmless statements but they're deeply offensive to a veteran. 
I always tell people, listen, when somebody's got to tell you, make sure you keep it confidentially and just tell them you love them. Yeah. If you're going to tell them a story, tell them a story about your struggles, mm-hmm. not not about what they should do, not about they should be more religious or read the Bible or you shouldn't have gone down that road. And that's what Rachel always told me after she got back on her feet. I'm, I mean, I, I can't explain all the bad affairs over two or three years she went to, but she said, Bob, every time I called you crying, you never criticized me. Yeah. You always found some way to make it positive and show me that, yeah, there will be a tomorrow. And that's who we are as Christians. We have to allow people to know or show them, yeah, there will be a tomorrow. And that moral would be better, you know. Yeah. It's a long, hard road to climb out of that hole. Yeah. And, and, and we've we got to be there with them the whole time. The, the, and, you know, sometimes hurt can really manifest in, in anger, right? So I, we shouldn't be confused that the anger we're seeing is somehow a reaction to what we're saying. It's more of a reaction to what they've experienced and this conflict between where they've been and where they need to go. Yeah, I was very angry. I mean, I got in so many bar fights. Uh, um, and and what it is, is is you're carrying around all this hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and and you don't think you're as good as anybody else. And you wonder why you wasn't born in a good home. You wonder why you're not smart. You know, you, you, you just wonder, wonder so many things. And until you can you know, get into some kind of counseling or, or, you know, when people talk about what happened to them, they're disarming it. Uh, I got into a program at the VA called long-time, Long-Term Exposure Treatment. And that treatment was they had to go in every week and tell the story about what happened to this really devastating situation that happened to me where a lot of innocent people got killed. And when I first started talking about it nobody had knew about this nobody in the whole world ever told and uh, because I couldn't talk about it when they asked me to talk about it there uh, I would have terrible emotional breakdowns crying spells but I went for month after month after month you know and they tape it and I have to go home and listen to it and now it's part of my testimony it's still emotional sometimes but that's what happens when people can talk about it. They they will see for themselves, and just be a listener. Don't interrupt. Don't give them advice. Let them talk, and 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 let God do the healing. Yeah, because that's who's going to do the healing anyway. It's not going to be us. Right. I mean, we're His hands and feet and voice, but. And to some extent, we have to be Him too. And what what would our Lord do? I mean, He would listen. And he would just give them a hug, you know, because right. quite frankly, we're learning things as we're hearing people talk about these difficulties. God already knows it. He's already forgiven you if there's forgiveness to be had. And he's ready to embrace you and tell you that, as you said, everything's going to be okay. Right. And that's what you communicated to that woman. He said, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Stay with it. Stay it's with it. Tough battle. Never give up. Uh, We're with Bob Gannon, and that's the name of his book, Never Give Up. Uh, So this is the name of this program is How to Evangelize in the Modern World, and I think you're starting to get a little bit of a taste of how maybe our modern world is a little bit different. You know it. We're all living here. So tell a friend. Come back and listen. 
and be prepared to evangelize the world. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record-keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Welcome back. Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. I'm here live with Bob Gannon, who's written the book, Never Give Up. And the name of our program is How to Evangelize in the Modern World. It's, it's, it, it's tough, and it's difficult. That, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. We're baptized. We're called evangelize. Let me just take a minute before we get back into it and talk about next week's program, we're going to be on the radio with Deacon Larry Bolt. He's going to talk about St. Joseph and fatherhood. You know, that's something that's probably maybe the cure to a lot of the ills we have in our society mm-hmm. is the lack of fatherhood, right? And, and men need to know that we are called to be fathers. Anyway, so Deacon is going to talk about that. Uh, later on uh, this month, and it is June already, please mark your calendars, June 26th. June 26th is the Catholic Man of the Year dinner. Uh, if you would like some uh, tickets to, uh, to attend and meet all of these men who have been nominated by various parishes and organizations to be the Catholic Man of the Year, please give us a call, 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. Look, this is a time where you have a bunch of men who have been nominated to be Catholic Man of the Year. And I guarantee you every single one of them said, don't nominate me, I don't want it. And that might be one of the prerequisites to qualifying for it. But we need to honor these men. Why? Because of their example. We need more good men. The world will change when we have more good men. Women are the heart of the church. You know, they're the moms. They're solid and consistent. But we men sometimes don't pull our own weight. And if we do, we will make a difference. We'll make a huge difference. So please mark your calendar, June 26th, uh, St. Louis Man of the Year. 
or I should say Catholic, St. Louis Catholic Man of the Year. And the phone number is 636-447-6000. That same number will get you uh, any copy of any talk that we've given, any radio program. Help us with the postage, and we're happy to, we're happy to help. Well, that's the announcement. Uh, SJEN.TV. Do you have Roku? If you do, um, or on the Internet, just go to SJEN.TV, and you can see hours and hours, thousands of programs on every topic related to the faith that you can imagine. It's a great resource. And talk about evangelization. Find something that, that maybe touches your heart, and maybe God has put it in your uh, purview so that you might pass it on to somebody else, because that's what evangelization is. It's, it's sharing the good news that you've experienced. Um, today's program is how to evangelize in a modern world. We're, we're evangelizing during tough times. People have had difficult experiences in their life. And, and, and sometimes when you, you know, as you said, bringing up Jesus in the conversation might just make them angry uh, because that's where they're at. They are angry. And I, I know what our Lord did is he met us where we're at. What do we do? Well, <clears throat> I, I, I think... From myself is very angry. Um, you know, our body is spiritual. It's a very spiritual body. And and I know through my life, it's growing up angry and with the alcoholism and in the multiple affairs, I became angrier because I was introducing evil into a spiritual body. And um, and I I got to a point that I I could hardly look in the mirror to shave in the mornings. Uh, and the more evil that I introduced in that body, the anger I got. Uh, and when I started changing my life, it it was a long term stripping it out, piece by piece. I still today I'm working on it. You know, I uh, I think adoration is a great place to work on yourself. I I love adoration. Uh, uh, I spent hours in the chapel, just me and Jesus. You know, still working on my selfishness, my greed. I, I pretty well, through the years, have uh, um, wiped out all of all this this the sin I did. But uh, but adoration is something that you know. You've said it a couple times now, and I I think many people don't haven't experienced it because once you do it, you you you're hooked. I mean, it's, yeah. it it you're really really hooked. You know, I'm. I know when I started going to adoration, I thought, well, how can I be quiet for an hour? And, <laughs> you know, I talk too much, obviously. But that hour is an hour of not, it's it's quieting, but you're not quiet per se. You are having this great intimate conversation with our Lord. And sometimes when we want to hear what our Lord says, we got to be quiet so we can stop talking over his voice. It's a wonderful hour. If you haven't, if you haven't tried it, try it, and maybe commit to an hour once a week. You'll you'll find it to be almost indescribable. As we're having a difficult time describing it. Well, I used to, when I first started adoration, I had two hours from eight to ten on Sunday night, and I just every third Sunday I had I put on a service at the Victory Mission in Springfield, and I'll tell you, I was really struggling in them years. But I personally, a few times, had a direct contact to God. I would ask a question and get an answer, you know. Uh, and I many times in there by myself, and I just found so much peace. There was a statue of Mary uh, 
Guadalupe. So many nights I'd turn my needle to that statue, and uh, it, it really, really helped give me answers to all my struggles and, and why I struggled. And uh, I, I, I love adoration. Yeah. Adoration prepares us for the mission. Yeah. And we, we have to prepare ourselves before we, we go out and evangelize. You know, you can't give what you don't have. You know, I'd, what I'd like to talk about is yeah. uh, the, the people that probably carry the, the deepest scars are the people that have been sexually abused. I bet. The people that have been sexually abused. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book called The Wounded Heart, and... And I respect any, any of you out there. I know that some of you people listen have been abused and you've never told anybody. Uh, and it said in that book, and it kind of threw me back for a while, it said people that have been sexually abused carry deeper scars than a combat veteran. And I thought, wow, how, how could that be? I mean, I've been working with for a long time. But I also realized, too, that as a combat veteran, yeah, we, we, we do struggle with post-traumatic stress. But we went to war for our country. There's some honor in, in what what we did, you know. Uh, we, we made a sacrifice. People that have been sexually abused, they've just been abused, and they don't know why, you know. And, and uh, you know, these are the hardest people to minister to. And for God's sake, don't tell them, well, I know how you feel or something like that. Just listen to them. Most of them carry so much shame, so much guilt. A lot of women blame what happened on themselves. When they was raped, they they blame themselves. Uh, and it takes years. The scars of people that have been sexually abused is, are very, very deep. And I don't think they'll ever, most of them ever totally get over it. But... But if you can be a friend of somebody and, and, and you can break through that barrier, you can you can really help and bring them back to Christ. And like Rachel, you know, uh, many of them can, can turn their lives into helping other people have been sexually abused. Yeah. And it's not only women. Sure. It's men. Oh, sure it is. Yeah, um, but we men usually keep quiet. I, I bet 70% of the women today have been sexually abused. Some... Eight or nine years old when I run into, and boys. Yeah, when I uh, this is back when I was in grade school, so this is fifty years ago or more, right? Uh, more than fifty years ago. Uh, or the uh, the statistics that were it was in the homily. I'll never forget this homily because it was just powerful to a you know seventh grader, and he said that at the time, one out of every ten boys are abused. I and, agree with that. And one out of every five girls. And the last statistic I heard is one every one out of every three girls. I agree. One out of every three. That's and, my. And one out of every five boys. The, the problem with that statistic is you you only get the number if you have people who admit it and yeah. and and come to a realization that there's a lot of suffering there. There's a lot of suffering, and it isn't just the one in a hundred, one in a thousand. It's pervasive. Well, you know, that's why I tell people, if you want to break break through that barrier, just tell your story. 
and when I talk at these conferences and stuff, and I and I talk about, you know, I'm very honest about where I've been. I'm very honest, you know, about all the affairs I had, divorces, pornography, trying to find relief, and so many people, so many people you wouldn't even realize the way they're dressed and the way they act will come up to me and say, I wish I had your courage yeah. to tell my story, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I always give my phone number out, too. There's yeah. somebody out there needs to talk to me or need some advice on how to deal with something, you know, I, I, I'm i open. Good for you. That's my life. That's what I do for a life. Yeah. It's, it's to reach out and try to take it all by experience, like I say, and treat it as a gift that God given me to help others. Yeah, and remember there's another gift out there, confession. And oh, yeah. Confession is, you know, you, if some people may have a hard time telling their story in public, and they may have an equally hard time telling their story, so to speak, in the confessional. But remember that God already knows. Yeah. He already knows. Yeah, and I, I think you're you're confessing directly to God. I mean, confession walk God you feel a lot lighter, and and I know that even go to programs like Celebrate Recovery. Some nights I'm so tired, I'm getting close to eighty, you know. I sit back in that room and I tell my story and help people and I come out of there I just feel so energized you know mm-hmm. that that uh, and it is confession sure it's confession you know in in the church you have to tell, hear it yeah you telling know. your story is confession yeah. yeah and and maybe part of it is the repressing it the, the not the denying it but not becoming in touch with it is as detrimental as an illness can be, you know, you want to get rid of the virus, and in order to do it, maybe you have to get it out there. Well, well it grows, and it know, grows. There it, you are. It grows. You know, you know. Um, there's a saying out there: "We're sick as our secrets." Oh, yeah. And in my case, you know, hiding in over the years, you know, veterans that that or people have been abused over time, they get angry and angrier because. It grows, and you think about it, and you distort it, and it makes it worse. And that's my, my, you know, where I was at. I was just. Bob, it seems like you have a good listening ear. And um, as long as you mention it, I'm going to mention it again. I'm going to give you uh, Bob's uh, email again, and it's the same name of his book: Never Give Up. Dot pub. Dot co at gmail. So never give it up. Never give up. Pub co with dots at gmail.com. It sounds like you have a great listening ear. Yeah, and, and I'll give my phone number, too. Um, this is what I do. Uh, it's 417-461-3470. And uh, I can help you in any way or give you advice if you've got a veteran in your family that you're struggling with or, you know, uh, I can give you the advice that I've seen over the 30 years, you know, and you got to make your own choice. But, you know, I, I know families out there today. I just gave a talk. I was at the Capitol in Jeff City on comparing the war on drugs to a real war. Um, I don't know how many families out there, I think it's one out of 10 or one out of eight, have lost somebody. But actually, since 1999, we have lost 841,000 people's overdoses on drugs. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So I deal with a lot of families, too, you know. Um, in fact, I talked to a lady this morning 
they had lost three daughters. And uh, so, yeah, it's, um, that's another part of it is the guilt. You know, people carry so much guilt. You know, did I do this or should I have done that, you know? Don't, you just don't know. Yeah, you just no, don't yeah, know. You, no. I mean, and it's impossible. And, you know, I'm sure all these people have been doing the best they could at the time. And very often people who overdose on drugs or commit suicide, those loved ones around them didn't even know or no. didn't even appreciate what was going on it, because it's hidden. It's so very much hidden. The best thing you can do is turn it into a ministry. Yeah. That's a lady that I, I spoke with. She lost a daughter and her husband, I mean, and her son's in prison for 25 years. And uh, she's turned into a ministry. Wow. To help others. Wow. And that's what I've done in my life is turn into a ministry. Well, in the, in the minutes we have left, tell me about some of your other ministries or how we can help people do the evangelization, right? How do we evangelize? Or, or maybe tell us some about your ministries. <laughs> Well, you know, one thing, I'm glad you brought that up because not everybody is equipped to evangelize in the yeah. streets. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, it's, a, it's a dangerous world out there. Uh, I never bring anyone home unless they've been clean for a couple of years. Uh, I call them a lot. Uh, but, you know, and but these people are, you know, a lot of them are con artists or on drugs. Uh, you know, if People I work with, if they don't show up for the meeting or I call them once or twice, I don't call them anymore, you know, because I know they're back on drugs and that's a dangerous situation. But, you know, there's so many other ministries in our churches, you know, adoration, prayer, uh, food ministries. Uh, I know one lady that uh, bakes bread and and once a week and takes it out and give it to her neighbors, you know, the nursing homes need people to come in and, and pray for these lonely people. Uh, I know my wife, when she passed away, uh, she was a singer and she played and she went to the Alzheimer's ward mm. once a week, you know. And so it doesn't all have to be, you know, working with a drug addict and addict, but, you know, if you lay the foundation down for all these other ministries and then people are going to, you know, they will affect, Families and families will, you know, will 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 see the good. But uh, yeah, if you probably should have brought that up, you know, if 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 you do a ministry, you know, of drugs and alcohol or or people that have been abused, you need to meet in a church or someplace, and you need to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very careful. A lot of them. I mean, I got it in one in a talk I do. How some of them have called me up, you know, got back on drugs, you know, and they need money. And, you know, my sister's in the hospital. My my sister's been kidnapped. My kids are starving. Uh, I never meet with them, and I never give them any money, you know, because right. it'll be for drugs. Oh, right. And I yeah. tell people, it's a tough ministry. Yeah. But these people, care, you know, they're that's where they grew up, telling stories. Yeah. And, and uh, so... You know, to do a ministry like like this, you you need somebody to come in if you had no experience, yeah, and kind of help you and lay out the guidelines and the do's and don'ts and don't get yourself crossed up, you know, yeah. with what you know, because you can get hurt. The Holy Spirit is probably talking to you or tapping on the shoulder and saying, "I need to do something," and and maybe you're not ready to go full fledged into these deep, difficult ministries, um, but. You know, maybe start with yourself, right? That's where we got to start. Start with the fam- your own family. 
you know, Bob, you said go to adoration. You know, your, your life will be changed if you go to adoration. Well, be in a grocery store, you know. Yeah. Wear, wear your cross and have a happy greet people. Say hi. Let them know you're Christian. Put on a Christian shirt. Yeah. You know, and be friendly. Maybe that's all you have to do. You will affect somebody and they'll say, hey, you know, we've had people come to the program because of somebody they met in a grocery store. And just because somebody looks good or they're well-dressed doesn't mean that they're not in need. You know, my, my wife and I were on vacation, again, same vacation, and, and, and it was in a tropical area. Uh, and, of course, it, when we, we have meals together, we pray, right? Right. So we were coming back from the beach and took a little shortcut through this kind of a jungle area, and it's a kind of a narrow space. And as we're coming out, there's this young girl, must have been in her 20s, uh, says, I saw you at dinner. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I mean, well, there's hundreds of people here. I mean, oh, okay. Thanks. She says, I saw you and your wife pray. You've turned on my love for Jesus again. I, I'm like, I, I was dumbfounded. I'm, I'm walking back from the beach, chit-chatting with my wife. I didn't know what I was doing the night before. Do the simple things. You know, making the sign of the cross is a powerful, powerful act. Amen. People see it. People feel it. And especially if they're in a place where they need it. Maybe maybe that's why you're saying grace. Maybe that's why you're where you're at and, and saying grace at some restaurant or some vacation. Somebody, our Lord knows, somebody needs to see you. They might never even speak to you, but you never know what you can do. You said wear a, a religious shirt. You know, a buddy of mine always says, wear your crosses on the outside. Amen. Wear your crosses on the outside. It's those little things. Because again, Bob, you're working hard. I'm not working like you are. I'm not in the trenches as you are. But but you know what? God is, and he is going to work through you in the way that you need. In the way that you need. Uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. We are live. This is... How to evangelize in the modern world. We can do it simply and personally, and we can do it in a big way like yours too. And and you did offer to have people chat with you. If right, yeah, I'll give it again. And I do have a little story. Well, I'm Please go. Oh, you know, you're talking about being in a restaurant and praying. <clears throat> I worked for Pipeline, so I was on the road quite a bit. And I remember one Sunday morning, I was in a restaurant. I'd been drunk all night. I don't know, maybe laying up with some I don't even remember but table right next to me was a man and women and two kids and they prayed and I'll tell you what it hit me so hard I had to get up and leave because I, I looked over there and all my life I thought I'm a hell of a man because I was a recon marine and yeah. all kinds of credit when I looked over there and I saw him praying with his family the truth hit me so hard that I never could ever go into a restaurant on Sunday morning and eat. I'd go through a drive-thru. Really? Until I got my yes. That's that's a very true story. And that family, that man, that mom, they would never know the impact no. that they simple, right. casual, normal, everyday activity they I did. still can see that man. How long ago was that? Oh, that's been 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Right. Still. To this day, and I'll tell you what, whenever we go, we put our hands together and we pray. Yeah. Because that, you know, it's, it's that's what Christians need to do. You don't maybe have to be out there like I am, 
But, you know, take your family to church. Be that father that God wants you to be. You know, uh, today's world, you know, we we get too tied up in the, in the selfish and greed and materialism. We think all oh, that's going to make happy. It's not. Yeah. The only real joy you're ever going to feel is when you're serving God and you got a clean heart. There you go. Bob, I think we have time for maybe one more story if you, you have a good one for us. Yeah, well, i got a lot of stories. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's... Had a guy named Frank. He got a call from a church one day, and uh, uh, Frank had been a meth addict, and his wife had been a meth addict. And, you know, drugs will, will take you to the bottom, you know, and they was at the bottom. His wife left him, and Frank didn't want to live anymore. He got a gun, put it to his head, and, and pulled the trigger twice, and the gun misfired both times. Oh, jeez. Frank called the church, and, you know, a lot of people are addicts. They won't come to a church by right. themselves. yeah. They don't feel worthy, you know. They don't. They go into a church and everybody's so perfect that they feel out of place. And that's why I told people you got to tell your story. And and so I met met uh, uh, Frank and met him every day, called him every day, you know, be outside to, to walk in to celebrate recovery with him. And when I went to the prison, Frank had I was running a chemical dependency group with me for about. Uh, Six months, he took over the group. He ran it for seven years. Uh, got his wife back. Got a job remodeling. Wow! Works for Mercy. But I talked to him the other day, and he's now got a new ministry called The Landing, which he has twenty-three teenagers that uh, he uh, he ministers to that come from dysfunctional homes. And and this is what I'm saying, you know, is. Maybe you don't even know it, but when you're praying, you you can energize somebody like Frank. That's right. And then you maybe you can be that Frank. You know, right. we I hear the music, so we're 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 winding down. But you know, think about it. You you may feel like you are Frank. You you might be in a bad spot. You might think that you're unworthy, but you know what? God has a plan for you. God loves you right here, right now, and he knows what you can do. And he loves you right now just the way you are, but he wants more for you. He's the father who's ready to embrace you and tell you it's going to be okay. And it will be okay. We'll see you next week at this same time on this same station. God bless you all. All right. You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Well, that's our program, How to Evangelize in the Modern World. Bob, you've told a lot of great stories, but do you have any final advice? Yeah, I do. You know, uh, 
We're not going to be remembered by the material things we own. We're going to be remembered by the kindness of our heart of the lack of it. The Bible tells us not to store up treasures on earth, but to help and love one another, thereby creating our treasures in heaven. The only thing we really own when we stand before judgment is our soul. And it's going to carry the story of our time on earth. And we're going to be judged by that story. Don't let your story be a story of selfishness, greed, or of the material world, or not caring about your fellow man. On Judgment Day, our souls are going to stand before Jesus, either in incredible glory or dreadful change. It's your choice. Thank you. Well, if the Lord is tapping on the shoulder, if that Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something, I think Bob is saying, you better do it. You better do it. God has great plans for you. He loves you, and he has uh, a great story that's yet to come. We'll see you next time.